The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometers of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. My name is Toby Manhai. This is a Gone by Lunchtime special edition on the local elections 2022. Uh, the original lineup of Gone by Lunchtime will be back very soon. In fact, live from Tauranga, where we are doing a special edition of the podcast. That's me and Annabelle Lee Mather and Ben Thomas and the newly elected Mayor of Rotorua, Tanya Tapsell, and the Minister of the Crown. Jan Tanetti, um, if you are listening to this before Sunday, I'm talking right now on Thursday the 13th, so that will be Sunday the 14th, 15th, 16th of October. Um, come along. More details on the Escape Festival website. You can look that up on the internet. Um, but today, we have two very special guests. Um, the core team that have been working at the spin-off on our coverage of the local elections made possible by the Public Interest Journalism Fund via New Zealand On Air. Shanti Mathias, hello. Kia ora. And Stuart Salmon Lund, hello. Good morning. You also guested on The Real Pod the other day, really. This is a big week for fans of my voice. It is a, <laughs> is it a coup? Is that what you would call it, a coup? Are you slowly inveigling your <laughs> well, way into I mean, all the podcasts? You just said that the, uh, the original gone by lunchtime lineup or away so i feel like we're sort of like the queen plus adam lambert of of the podcasting world okay. we're, we've sort of snuck in we've taken over okay. from the from the original team but we're we're still selling out stadiums if you just extended that metaphor by about 20 minutes and seven or eight layers you'd be really ben thomas incarnate <laughs> <laughs> well i almost wore a band t-shirt for ricky martin or something just that's to right. slip into, that's into that persona um and thanks to tiahe butler um uh golden voiced producer Let's hear that golden voice. It's a pleasure to be here, Toby. Oh, <laughs> and also to members. Um, your voices are all uh, exceptional also. Um, <laughs> Shanti Stewart, is there, they're over. The local elections are, well, nearly over. Are they leaving a void or are you both furiously refreshing the results to see what the results are in the last, what are the last four? Can you remember this is a test for you, Shanti? Preliminary results? No, progress, preliminary. Progress, preliminary. But which are the four? We've had preliminary, so we're still waiting for final. What are the, can you remember, the, for, 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 for a dollar for each each of the ones that are the mayoral races that we're still waiting okay. on? Far North? Yes. Southland? Yes. Gore? Yes. One other. Stuart, uh, do you know, do you know No, you've taken Matamata. Matamata. That's it. Um, mm. I knew that. 
Matamata Piako. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're just going to do a kind of um, breakneck rip through the contest, the main contest. We've all been around the country a bit, and so we have different levels of expertise and memories that we can pluck from the recesses of our heads to describe what's happened and what the issues were there. And then we will talk a bit about the, you know, what the tea leaves say in terms of implications for central government and also the turnout, which is going to finish about 40%. Based on the numbers that came out yesterday, it looks like Auckland is going to do slightly better than last time. And when I say slightly better, I mean slightly better than really terrible. <laughs> so it's gone from 35.3 to 35.6 or something like that, depending on how many of those special votes are valid. But anyway, let's crack on. 583 elections across the country. Stuart, let's start from the let's start at the bottom. Let's start at the only the bottom geographically. That's for no other reasons the bottom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The the Invercargill race. It was an interesting one. You spent some time there. You went to a debate. You talked to some of the contenders. It was a curious one because the the incumbent who has been mayor there for seven or eight centuries, Tim Shadbolt, basically he pretty much accepted that he wasn't in the race from the get go. Right. Yeah, I went on a sort of search for Shad Bolt in my 48 hours or so in Invercargill. Yeah. There was no sign of him, no, uh, well, aside from portraits and pictures hanging in the council office. There was no hoardings, <laughs> um, any any sort of, I talked to his deputy, who is now the mayor, we'll get to that, and, and he was like, well, you won't get to speak to him. He's basically vanished. Mm. Um, and when I did get to speak to him over Zoom a few days later, he, yeah, he said he'd, he'd done his dash, he was a lost cause, and mm. he had pretty much, like you say, accepted defeat. And yet, when the results came out this week, uh, he, he said he was shattered. That well, he was shattered because he didn't even get back onto council. Yeah, right. he was pretty convinced he was going to do that. He, I think he came in overall fifth in the mayoral race mm. with just under a 1,000 votes. So it looked, even then when you were there, as though the two likeliest would be Nobby Clark who's the deputy. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's, he's like 70 years old or something. Yeah. He's been around. He's a, he's a you know, old school, uh, cranky, um, you know, sort of, sort of just want to get stuff done and, yeah. you know, not interested in looking for 20 years in advance, blah, blah, blah. And Marcus Lush, who we know as the late night host on News Talk ZB, former star of BFM, uh, and he's a council. He got elected in a by-election, it was impossible to say, really. It looked like those two. And then what happened? Yeah, so that's exactly what I thought it would be between those two, and that was sort of the angle that I went into that race with and talked to both Nobby and Marcus about that. And based on the first results, first set of results that we got, that was exactly how it came to be, Nobby in mm. first, Marcus in second, but... Can we um, say Lushy? Can we say Nobby and Lushy? I'd prefer yeah, if we okay, could say we that. Can, we can do Just that. Um, but then, based on the second round, what's that, the preliminary votes that we've had so far this week, mm. um, Lushy fell into third, and the former deputy mayor of um, of Invercargill moved into second, Tony uh, Biddle, uh, who, okay, who, who okay, resigned. Okay. Um, sort of in the midst of all of that very public chaos with mm. the council, the Thompson mm. report and that sort of thing. Um, and that sort of interestingly, when I talked to Nobby, I said, well, I, I feel like it's going to be between you and Marcus Lush. And, he, and he said, I don't think so. Yeah. I think that Lushy's uh, got the, the the Auckland support on, on self-selecting stuff polls and the like. Uh-huh. But yeah. down here, it's going to be between him and Tony Biddle, and he ended up being correct. And he he said that that was based on polling. What he really meant 
was that there were some certain self-selecting polls that were not from nationwide news sources, but they were still very much, uh, you know, unscientific polls. Like people putting beans into particular jars at market gardens, that sort of thing. I mean, that's that's what you'd expect, but there was a a particular outlet, which actually you can read all about on the spin-off today, called What's on Invis, which is a Facebook page and website there, and they ran a lot of, um, uh, of polling that... That that's and they have some ties to the Clark campaign, so mm. he, was, he was relying on that, and it ended up being fairly accurate. So I can where can I read that? Thespinoff.co.nz. Is I, th- I think the site is thespinoff.co.nz. Shanti, you spent some time in the resort town of Queenstown towards that was it was it was what was it, probably three weeks ago or so. Mm. You went down there, and what did you find? Was it? I, th- I think I think your assessment early on was that there were kind of four candidates that were in the running? Yeah, so I went to um, three Queenstown mayoral debates in two days, which is probably more than <laughs> most people should have yeah. should have been to. But um, yeah, interesting. That was enough to kind of see which lines they kept pulling out. Um, yeah, there were four. There was uh, Nita Shetty, who was also running for council, a sort of community-minded business person. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Glenn Lewis, a sitting councillor. Um, first term, he was elected in 2019. He got the exact him and the other lowest polling candidate got the exact same number of votes, so he got to council based on a coin toss. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Olivia Wensley, who runs Startup Queenstown Lakes, was involved in the Me Too um, movement, quite a high-profile lawyer. Her mm-hmm. father-in-law is a property developer. Um, she had a line who with the Lakeview development in Queenstown, which has been a complete disaster of sort of leaky building. Um, she had a line that she used at all three debates, which is, you can't help who you love, even if that person is the son of a property developer, um, <laughs> which I thought was rather rather good. Um, and then there was John Mitchell, who ran as a Labour candidate in Southland in 2020 um, and is sort of a disaster management expert. So those were the four. Um, they it was all a looked, vacancy because Jim Bolt had, had stood down. Yeah, yeah so yeah. quite well well known, uh, got Queenstown on the map, sort of Mayor Jim yep. Bolt was stepping down. Um, Glenn Lewis is the Mayor the mayoral elect now, which, yeah. so he was sort of quite seen as the kind of incumbent, the council candidate. He kept yeah. emphasising his experience on council, that he kind of knew how it worked. Um, none of the other main candidates were, had ever been in elected, elected members at all, so... That was a kind of so one element. So he was probably the favourite. Did he seem like the favourite when you watched the debates? Or well, there was, was an it? interesting moment at the Crux debate. Crux is an independent news site in Queenstown um, yep. where each candidate was asked who they would vote for if not for themselves. Um, all three, except Nita Shetty, said they would vote for Nita Shetty. Mm-hmm. She said that she would vote for Glenn Lewis. Um, he was also the only candidate who explicitly mentioned climate change before being asked a question about it, which I just thought was a interesting um, element. All the rest of them sort of said, oh, you know, climate change, we have to do something about it. But he said this is our urgent action for our region. It's really important for the tourist aspect. Mm. Um, And he's committed to reinstating one of Jim Bolt's policies, which is uh, a visitor levy for everyone who visits Queenstown. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with reopening borders and all of that. You wrote some interesting pieces in which you kind of uh, pinpointed the issues around tourism obviously, which is what we associate with Queenstown, and it's both its kind of greatest strength and potential, but also its greatest hazard in a way, right? The pressure it places on infrastructure, like roads, um, the number of tourist cars driving up and down, um, as well as all the short-term workers who they need over the winter season for the ski fields, um, that's huge amounts of housing pressure. Um, there's huge. There's a lot of... I also wrote a story about Airbnb and interviewed someone from Queenstown about, mm. um, yeah, the pressure that Airbnb was a really hot topic of how much pressure 
people renting out their houses on Airbnb rather than providing long-term rentals to permanent residents. That's a, there's a lot of tension there, but of course only the permanent residents get to vote. So it's almost, um, it seems it seems like they kind of don't want more tourists um, and kind of that, all that sort of some of the bigger picture stuff about getting in the, that the government says we want high value tourists. That's Queenstown is kind of at the core of that, I think. I spent some time in Dunedin. Uh, I interviewed uh, a candidate for the Otago Regional Council, Slime, who came, I think, last. Yeah, <laughs> and when I was down, I was down in Dunedin a few days later, and I was amazed at how many posters for Slime I could just see on. I haven't done the quarters. detailed analysis, but I suspect Slime did rather better in Dunedin than in, in the other in the other parts. Of Slime was the running in the Dunedin constituency, right? So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's of course. <laughs> You would expect that. Great, great point. Thank you, Shanti. Um, uh, although Slime did get more than 2,000 votes, so it wasn't That's like a wipeout. That's um, more than Tim Shadbolt got. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Uh, Slime was, for those who haven't uh, been keeping up on uh, Slime News, was a kind of stunt candidate and who uh, caricatured the idea of embracing uh, synthetic nitrate and pollution and all of that. Anyway, uh, in the main race for the mayoralty, Aaron Hawkins, the Green Mayor, was unseated uh, by someone called Jules Radich, and there were sort of four and four, four serious people um, in in the running there too. There was Hawkins, Radich, um, someone called Sophie Barker, who also was a councillor like Radich, um, kind of uh, sort of centre left, and uh, Lee Vandivis, who was a sort of famous, outspoken, yeah. <laughs> uh, angry man, and he had become a bit, you know, among other things, among many other <laughs> things, had uh, taken. The, the council to court over um, what emanated from a parking fine and he'd got that got rejected by the Supreme Court in the weeks before the election. But it, because it's STV, it kind of... I saw, I saw a few reports, RNZ described it as a landslide to Radich. And that's true in some sense, if, but it's one of these kind of peculiarities of STV because, in fact, in the, in the, last, in the last iteration... Uh, as they call it, which is the number of counts you do on STV, uh, where where uh, where Radich got across the fifty percent line, it was very close in many ways. Insofar as if you if all of Sophie Barker's votes had gone to Aaron Hawkins, which they wouldn't have, but I think it's safe to assume most of them would have, then it would have been it was there, were, there was only like a hundred or so in it. So uh, still, Radich won. Some were surprised by that. It looked like a lot. Of, a lot of it was to do with Hawkins talked about it being difficult for progressive mayors around the country as a result of three waters and the general kind of sense of a central government issuing edicts. And that was part of it. The other part of it, which was important, is a lot of people were talking about George Street and the refurbishments to George Street, the main drag in Dunedin. And this is a thing that is true around the country. We'll perhaps come back to that a bit later, that local issues very obviously uh, loom large in local elections. I was just going to say, because, I mean, we're going to get into the sort of broader issues of the what the la- what the government's impact on these local election races had, but... For me, I was slightly surprised to see Hawkins lose and lose by the margin that he did. Is that your when you were down there? What was your feeling of that? Uh, the people I spoke to, who live in Dunedin and understand Dunedin, said that they thought Radich was 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 going to run Hawkins close. Um, Hawkins was surprised, I think. And if if I if I would have I would have I thought it was going to be very close between the two of them. And the nature of the STV system is such, of course, that 
Um, I mean, look, Redditch won on first count too, so the system didn't matter from that point of view. But I thought it was always going to be close. And I would argue it was kind of close in terms of the sentiment, the direction that people were going. Obviously, there was Hawkins was not sufficiently loved by Dunedin voters to to win a second term. So, you know, Um, travelling north up the coast, Shanti, to Christchurch, where we had um, Mr. Meats versus Mr. Major, which was it was quite difficult to tell the two of them apart in a photo of them yeah. standing together. Mr. Meats versus Mr. Major sounds like a sounds like a rejected Roald Dahl novel to me a bit, and they do have. It was an interesting race. No, that's not true. It wasn't an interesting race, really, was it? Or was it? I mean, listen to me talking from Auckland. What was? <laughs> tell me what was interesting. What was at play in Christchurch? Yeah, um, I famously have sort of face blindness for white men and I was really struggling. Um, <laughs> but they it was really just really obvious to me how much what they were saying was very similar, sort of, oh, um, Phil Major, a few days sort of before when, when the election was really heading up, had as a, was a sitting councillor, first-time sitting councillor, runs a construction company who had voted um, against the government's national policy statement on urban development mm. Um and said Christchurch, you know, he was one of, and he he was saying, no, we don't want any more densification in Christchurch. Uh, Mintz was really saying the same thing. Um, there really wasn't, you know, maybe there was a bit of um, <laughs> major had a thing of like, oh, you know, it's so hard with, you know, when you're sitting in a car and you're watching the bus lane, you know, the buses go past and there's not enough people on the bus and that's really frustrating to mm. me. So, you know, probably a little bit, you know, Mintz was the slightly more left-leaning major was the more right-leaning one and, um but yes, very, very similar. Both committed to the Christchurch Stadium, which is that kind of expensive millstone around the city council's neck. Um, and now they're quite amusingly now they're there, which is always going to happen. Now they're yeah. And now what we're going to do is we're going to get the other councils to chip in. The other councils <laughs> like okay, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> um, anyway, that side note. Sorry, but um, yeah, early polling showed um, major head by quite a significant margin. In the end, he only won by less than three thousand votes. Um, I think it was forty nine thousand to. 52,000, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. So yeah. it's actually pretty Closer pretty than the polls margin. had suggested, Do you think the right? Jordan yeah. major factor had any impact? Here we go. We're going back to the real pod now. Did you, you discuss this on the real pod? Did yeah, you very discuss br- that? briefly, but a local elections crossover. That I didn't know this until Alex Casey revealed yeah. it to me, mm. that, that Phil Major is the father of Jordan Major. From The Bachelor. From The Bachelor, the man who uh, famously said, and we had a complaint about language um, in the inbox recently by a gentleman who said he would not be listening again. So I'm not worried about him, but if you're, if you're concerned about bad language, then please block your ears for a moment. Jordan Major famously said in some international bachelor thing, yeah. is that right, Stuart? We're not here to fuck spiders, which regrettably was not the slogan of his father, Phil Major, although I think he also is not there, not interested in any Yeah, did that come yeah. up in any of the debates? Okay. It didn't. Any, no? Nobody mentioned it, so maybe there just needs to be more publicising of yes. this. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Major's big kind of big dream is having the Commonwealth Games in Christchurch again. It's like we've got a new stadium, we've got all these other things. Let's yep. just have the Commonwealth Games. There's a really uh, good um, piece of analysis by Tina Law and Stuff um, from a few days ago, which is about how feasible and how cheap it would actually be to host the Commonwealth Games, even if you do have all this new infrastructure. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. There's a few other, um, six of the People's Choice left-leaning councillors. There's one that's kind of up in the air, um, got on to council. And right. yeah, will be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Um, eight of the 14 candidates that, uh, there's 17 councillors plus a mayor on Christchurch City Council, uh-huh. eight of the ones that Major said that he was supporting 
um, have also made it on. So I think he'll okay. feel pretty confident right. that he's what got about, a big team. What about Environment Canterbury? What did, how, did that, how did that end up roughly, do you know? Um, not not so many of the People's Choice candidates made it on to Environment Canterbury. Um, it'll be interesting to see with the Tungai Tahu representatives as well how that mm. um, shifts the balance. There are 14 seats plus two Ngai um, Tahu members as of this training with full voting rights. Um, yeah, the kind of disaster management, the kind of climate change stuff. I wrote an article about it on the spinoff.co.nz, which is, I think, just going to loom really big for regional councils across and the country. you and I both, Shanti, uh, paid attention to Nelson, mm. um, which had lots of interesting plots and subplots, one of which was a pretty dysfunctional, um, civil war-ridden three years. You looked at that, didn't you, quite a month or so ago. How would you describe the state of the Nelson Council over the last three years? It just seems... Multiple councillors describe it to me as a really toxic workplace. Yeah. Um, there's well, Tim Skinner, who's a councillor who got on again, um, there was, has sort of been involved in multiple altercations with other councillors, as well as pushing a protester over and having to be kind of, um, yeah, told off by the council for that. The whole use of this code of conduct is a, is a bit of a kind of structural thing for local governments, but you can see it really clearly there. Mm. Um, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of... Um, there were, I think... There were seven fem- female women on council last election. Now there's only two. It's just mm. um, multiple women have said that it doesn't feel like a very safe workplace. So that kind of workplace issues, internal council issues, have been a big source of tension um, for councillors. So not sure how the new mayor is going to try to soothe the feelings. Well, interesting in that in the lineup of candidates for the mayor, there were zero women, which um, some of those, when that was put to them in a, in a, in a, in a really good debate that was hosted by the Nelson Weekly um, that I attended at a cocktail bar called, I think, Kim's They acknowledged that that might be partly because of the dysfunction and because of generally a mood, not just at Nelson, but generally of a, a kind of slightly poisonous in the air. You remember there was a Christchurch councillor who got attacked. That whole mood is one of the mm. one of the things that is interesting but in terms about, of a lack of contestability generally, probably. Can you draw any link between, I mean, so Nick Smith is now the mayor of Nelson. Oh, I was holding that back. His, absolute, <laughs> absolute spoiler. His, pre, his, his uh, sort of end of his... Uh, parliamentary career was sort of was tinged with some issues relating to treatment of staffers. Now he's the mayor of a council that's previously had issues. Yeah, and I interviewed him and put that to him, and he said he had, you know, he'd obviously was ready for that question, and he had a set out answer, which is there was an isolated incident in which he swore and he regretted that, and he's learned from that. Uh, but his experience over thirty years meant that he was a bit of. In, at, at Parliament, many was better placed than anyone, and he he also said, and I heard them say this again separately. Nelson's a small town. He's had staff across three decades in Parliament. If he was a bad boss, and then people would know. And I I guess there's some truth mm. in that. What his opponent said is, "Hang on a minute, mate. There are reports in terms of when there was that um, parliamentary service inquiry into." What happened there? There were reports that came out and stuff in the newsroom that it was a pattern of bullying and harassment. And so 
it, 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 it's it's an open question whether or not he is the person who can create a unity on that council. He won the mayoralty comfortably, mm. and it was looked that way. He he, I mean, he he was just sort of a different level in terms of the kind of professional quality of the campaign. Yeah. In some ways, I talked to him, and he had in front of him a, a Curia poll, which he provided me a couple of examples from, but obviously kept the big numbers close to his chest. But you could see that he was confident from that point, and that he had a very he was just he's just polished i mean of course he is you know he's been mm. there for so long um and there were there were there were three others that were in the in the running and nelson was using stv for the first mm. time so that gave them a you know if nick smith winning 40% on the first round didn't mean that he would necessarily win if if there was enough anti nick smith vote the others were there was a young guy called rohan and neil stevens who's had a bit of coverage he was the youngest councillor at the last last election, I think. Mm. Um, he's now... And he's green-endorsed. He's green-endorsed. He's a green member as well. Uh, then there's uh, Matt Laurie, who who you've talked to as well, Shanti, and he's he, he he didn't stand for council in the way that in, as Rohan did. So Rohan was the top elect, top, mm. top vote in council. Uh, mm. Matt Laurie decided to just go for the mayoralty. And and I think he'll be a loss because he's a sort of uh, uh, an interesting, um, nuanced guy. And then the other guy was Skinner that you mentioned, Tim mm. Skinner, um, who 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 is a, is, a, is, a, is a slightly more abrasive type. Um, and he has been re-elected to council. He's been re-elected, but most of he had a little sort of Nelson Citizens Alliance, which was a sort of right-wing yeah. ticket. Um, most of the rest of him didn't get back on Yeah, curious group. And it's an interesting strategy, this. Jules Radich had a, a group, mm. too. And I think it's... Nobby Clark had a group. Well, it's not a stupid thing, is it? Just from a from a simple level, you can put any affiliation in there, right? Like, we could put, you know, um, you know, Shanti's Mavericks as our <laughs> group if we were standing together on. And what it means is that each... For each person who is not particularly uh, voter, who's not particularly well informed, if they see, well, I know that I like Stuart, and so I'm going to just give ticks to the other people who are on that on that ticket. It's, I think it's, I th- I'm surprised we don't see it more. To be honest, like why not? Perhaps the reason why not is in terms of that Citizens Alliance and Nelson. There was a fracas in the closing days where mm. there was an advertisement published in the Nelson Weekly, which they subsequently apologised for and retracted digitally, which included these kind of some quite outrageous attacks on other candidates, like personal attacks. Most, most of whom, most of the candidates they attacked got in as well. Which sure, is- yeah. <laughs> and uh, But the, their, their complaint in part was that because it was in print, it was the last edition mm. before the polls closed. Um, whether or not it made any difference, I don't know. But it did tell you. Skinner himself disavowed those statements, um, though he's on the ticket. He said, "Well, I, you know, I've been endorsed by this group, but I certainly wouldn't." Da, 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 da. So it, it, it is. It is potential. The risk attached to it, I suppose, is that if Shanti's Mavericks, if Stuart, Stuart does something completely outrageous with spiders mm. or whatever, yeah. and then that comes back to um, punish the rest of us. Let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's go to Wellington. Let's um, let's travel on the cruise on the Inter Islander across to Wellington. This one sort of bucked the trend, didn't it? Who wants to talk to that? Talk to what happened in Wellington? Well, all I can say, because <laughs> I was not there, um, is that it was fascinating to see that Paul Eagle, who, by way of having maybe name recognition by being in Parliament, uh, being in government, came in fourth. Well. Did he? Shanti, we're talking about him in the office. He came in. It's a. It's a. It's an interesting. This is. This gets kind of nerdy, and will probably expose the limits of my statistical expertise. But when you count STV, 
it's a the nature of removing the lowest lowest um, polling person yeah. one by one can sometimes distort the idea of what that ranking is. But on the only poll that matters, he came in fourth. Well, what I'm saying is that on the first <laughs> count, he was second, wasn't he? Yeah. But he eventually came fourth. Yeah, well, yeah, he he massively underperformed. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it was a humiliation. But also, uh, during the campaign, it seemed like he was at times absent, at least from media interviews. Didn't you struggle to get him I struggled him on to get a hold of him, and he was always affable, right? Like, and he was like, oh, yeah, 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 no, we'll do that, we'll do that. And then he just didn't return my call. And he know? didn't go to all of the and events. I mean, no, I think he went to most of the Tori events. Fano was pretty. Pretty impressive. He campaign. went to. He went. It was. There was a. He was. It seemed like he was running what they call a small target strategy. It was as if he had decided, or been given polling information that suggested that he was the front runner, and so you don't do anything to mess that up. Why take a risk? Either that, or there was complacency. I don't know. Tori Fano, on the other hand, ran an on-the-ground campaign for a year. Yeah. You know. Um, and she was, she was, it worked to her advantage, for example, that Andy Foster's line early on, and I don't think he was necessarily being disingenuous, was just say, oh, I'm not really sure who she is. Is she a serious? No, I don't so think I so. talked to Andy Foster when he made his fairly late bid to, to, to yeah. uh, go for a second term. Wasn't that long before, um, you know, before you could, the, the cutoff for putting your name in the ring. And yeah, he said he sort of envisaged it as a two-horse race, and he did for the rest of his campaign between him and, and Paul Eagle, was pretty dismissive of other candidates in the mm. race. And I feel like, to some extent, the media for quite a while were also fairly dismissive of other candidates in that race. It felt like for quite a while people were putting those two together. It's well. an interesting question insofar as how much is this, you know, it's been said ad infinitum that this is a bucking the trend mm. uh, across the country. And to some extent that's a reflection of the... Wellington population, but also it is. I think that campaign was hard working. You saw the the Green Caucus get in behind. You know, Goldrose Gutterman was there, Chloe Swarbrick was there, Methylia Toure was involved, uh, Madame Davidson, James Shaw was very vocal, and that you know the whole the that was the only one that truly had in any of the elections around the country that had any parliamentary party machine. Behind them, it could you kind to me. of compare it to Chloe's Auckland Central victory? I think you could, in the sense that it was a very on the think, ground I think, campaign. I think, I think you just did, and, and I think, the polling. You know, there we go, <laughs> and the polling was not necessarily the result that we ended up with. Same with Chloe's. The poll campaign. wasn't a mile off, was it? And, and no. one of the things about the polls again is that because we're talking about such low turnouts, almost always under fifty percent, and that that it's the polls are they're not necessarily wrong. You know, they might be dead right if we had compulsory voting. Mm. Um, it's as much which ones of those, as it always is, and we work our way up to Auckland, which can bring out their vote. And I think the Tory Fano campaign brought out the vote. Shanti, you also looked a bit at the other results in Wellington. and in, were, they, were they similarly in that direction? Um, you have some of those councillors who have been there for absolute ages, like um, Nicola Young, Iona mm. Panat, who are just back on council. Um, Andy Foster's been on council for 30 years, so now he actually won't be for the first time. Um, but, yeah, Wellington has seven new councillors, which is um, hmm. quite a decent decent number. Um, quite a few Labour and Green as well as more. Uh, like Ray Chung had a – in the northern suburbs had a sort of 
mayoral campaign. It was vaguely associated with Andy Foster, but got in as a councillor. Which... Ray Chung, we should have paid more attention to. For, formal apology to <laughs> Ray course, Chung yeah. for, from all media. And the, yeah, on the on the on that he was the he was the the last to be excluded. You know, before it came down to so on that last count, he was he was third, and and he was not invited to. As far as I'm aware, any of the debates. Which makes the Paul Eagle result even more humiliating. Yes, yes. Although, like I say, Eagle beat him on okay, the first preferences. Okay. But 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 I guess it was in the end Andy Foster Andy Foster is not really right right wing. You know, he's not a he's not a, he, alive, and he's he? not a he's not a cut and you know, well he has been involved he started off with the National Party and then yeah. he ended up standing for New Zealand. He's been on a journey, Andy Foster. <laughs> Very likable person, you know, and it's funny, you know, a lot of people I know who have been uh anti and anti Andy brigade for a for a while that you would you talk to them in one and they're like, actually, you know. He's all right. More Andy Fandy, you know, but more Andy, but more Andy, Andy, Andy Fandy than Andy Andy. Exactly well put. Um, he managed that, not to get that, the um, Peter Jackson sport. That's all. Go, go on. Jeff. Oh, I enjoyed that sort of salient thing where he said that you know he's really enjoyed his rat trapping and the thousands of rats that he's trapped. So you know, if nothing else, the rat population of Wellington is <laughs> those yeah. salient. Well, they, are they voters? That's the question, That's isn't the question. it? Those <laughs> salient interviews kind of got some of the best answers out of the Wellington mayoral candidates. Is it because there was alcohol involved? You know, Probably. cocktails with candidates. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Great. So Great uh, student one. publication, Salient. <laughs> the, you used to work at Salient, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, also, just quickly on the on the Greater Wellington, on the regional council. Yeah. A bit of a green green yeah. wave there. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Nash, who was a sitting green councillor, is like, oh, no, it's no prog- more progressive than before. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, four four green candidates, I believe, got, got in. Um, and, yeah, there's just kind of... A few, a few of the incumbents were out, but kind of Greater Wellington Regional Council is so much with the let's get Wellington moving and some all the kind of transport stuff that's happening. So, um, having that strong green voice will be interesting um, of how that plays out um, as they're c- c- kind of trying to put the like, transport mm. um, policies through a lot of a lot of the Wellington councils are talking about transport. You know, that's a that's a big deal for this. And city. other contests in Wellington, Stuart, you've got a bit of the hut in your blood, don't you? <laughs> I do. Very proud. Upper Hutt, born and raised, um, where the the Guppy train continued oh, yeah. for another term. He's been the mayor for, I'm pretty sure, my entire life, if not longer. Uh, he won with a 14,000 vote majority oh. again. Um, in Hutt City, it was slightly closer, but um, Labour endorsed Campbell Barry, made it back. Not just Labour endorsed, Labour, Labour la- on the yeah, Labour ticket. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, by about 2,000 votes, I think, over Tony Stallinger, who I think was a former chief executive of the council and was running on one of those tickets that we talked about. Mm. Um, the the pothole candidate, Falgun Patel, only got 1,100 or so votes. It was pretty much just running on a fix-the-pothole platform. Yeah. yeah. And in Porirua, Anita Baker returned. Yeah. Comfortably. One, one not, I don't the, think she had any real challenges, no. but but an interesting one, if only because she's one of the main proponents of the Three Waters reforms. And yeah. uh, contrary to the narrative that 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 is well, that is broadly a real one, uh, she was re-elected. Um, and in Kapiti, Janet Holborough mm-hmm. replacing the guru, uh, the the guru, the K Guru Nathalam, who um, has been mayor maybe for one or two terms. Wong Nui, moving a bit further north, we'll touch on this briefly because I think it's interesting, Hamish McDool, who stood unelected, was re-elected last time unopposed, 
Hayden Donnell debated him and so that he could have some challenge. That was fun. But this time he got beaten, and I think that was a surprise to a lot of people, by somebody called Andrew Tripe, who stood very much on a Three Waters uh, platform. Anti-Three Waters, I should say. What about Ruapehu? That's kind of an interesting one, just worth touching on, Shanti. Um, yeah, Weston Curtin, who was the mayor for two terms in the 90s, um, uh. and then has sort of floated around, um, was on Horizons Regional Council in the previous term and is now has been elected again sort of 20 years later back as back as the mayor but I called him up after he had he was quite busy in the afternoon he had to um, celebrate a wedding first so he was you know officiating the wedding and then he I called him and he was having a month so he only found, found afterwards yeah which is a which is a lovely story although he's been thrown right into the fire because he's already been doing a million interviews because of course the, the situation um, with the ski field operators going into administration keeping moving Hamilton a couple of good pieces by Amy Crow on the spin-off with the two main candidates, Paula Southgate and Jeff Taylor. Paula Southgate was an incumbent win um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a big city. I think it's the fourth biggest um, mayoralty, um, you know, the, the constituency for a, for a mayoralty. Mm. And so she was. she's very much centrist. Uh, Jeff Taylor, former editor of the Waikato Times, uh, was beaten, but not by heaps, by... Less by, slightly, by by fewer than two thousand votes, but it was still an incumbent one in a major centre is noteworthy. One of the things I think is interesting, and I got this from Amy's piece, is that uh, Paula Southgate seems to have moved from being on a kind of working group of mayors to try and make three waters work. Has moved sort of it seems to have uh, her position seems to have dialed a little bit least rhetorically towards opposition to three waters, which perhaps tells you something about the mood more generally and. Then we will dart up the expressway to Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, uh, where it was it was a battle of attrition in a way. We started off, do you remember a man called Leo Malloy? I don't know if that rings a bell. Yeah, with that's right, way back yeah. in the mists yeah. of time. Yeah, he was... Um, he uh, certainly it was. It was maybe he was. He was a bit like what do you call it? Like a fluffer who comes on. What do you call the person? A hype man who Cold comes jester. on. Who comes on at the start to kind of warm up yeah. the crowd and then stays on Twitter <laughs> responding to Simon. Then Wilson turns tweets. into a turns into a reply guy on Twitter. That's a bit of a shame. Come on, Leo, you're better than that. Anyway, uh, Leo Malloy pulled out on the day nominations closed. Uh, Viv Beck, who'd been the endorsed candidate by the centre-right group CNR, also pulled out, but too late for her name to be removed from the ballots. And indeed, she ended up getting a few thousand votes. Seven thousand votes or something. Which left us with this two-horse race. Sorry, I was trying to find a way to avoid that cliche, but there it is. Between Fesso Collins, the Labour-endorsed, Green-endorsed councillor from South Auckland, and Wayne Brown, former Far North man, uh, the self-styled fixer, and he won comfortably. Yeah. Who do you think we can thank for that? Because there's been a lot of media reports saying this is because of the Beck dropping out. She was asked that a lot on Morning Report the other day. Leo Malloy, I believe, taking some of that credit as well, being that kind of we, we don't want to split the vote. I don't know if based on based on the fact Viv still got seven or eight thousand votes yeah, yeah, after pulling out, I don't know if it's quite so simple to say whether that 
race ended up being a result of the the candidates. Well, it was certainly not good for the Efeso Collins campaign to see those other people fall away. It was kind of this sort of Hunger Games version of STV, right? You know, it was just sort of people kind of uh, were... Because at one point, both Viv and Leo were, I guess, all up there as front. I mean, they were... I believe when the when the when Wayne Brown joined the race, people sort of put him behind Leo and Viv in their pecking yeah. order. I feel well, he had a lower profile generally. I mean, the, yeah. But 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 the campaign was very uh, old fashioned in a way. It was target. I've said this before, but if you draw a Venn diagram of people who read the Herald between in print version from Monday to Friday and people who vote in uh, local elections. In Auckland, it's a circle. You know, it's mm. there is there is there is only the only place where it's better targeted audience than Facebook or Google. And so, of course, that is was the, where his thank you message on the day after well, the election was printed. And I mean, it's and and News Talk ZB ads, and also a very focused campaign. You know, it was very they knew what they needed to do. And I guess I mean if, the Fiso Collins campaign. I, I mean, I don't think it was by any means a disaster. It was, but it. After the first big announcement of free public transport, there wasn't sort of another lift at any point, mm. and uh, it never really got the. You're waiting for the kind of ground game, the labour machinery, the, the the what you referred to before in terms of the the Chloe effect mm. from Auckland Central. It never never really came, and whether that's because the labour machine, the green machine, aren't as well oiled i don't know i don't know what maybe it's just the moment that's the other thing well, sometimes the- you can't you know sometimes swimming upstream is hard and the mood of the electorate in auckland and maybe the country is one of Dalipa Fonseca wrote a really good piece and stuff the other day, which the first half of which was about sort of people's general feeling of dissatisfaction with the lack of progress people are just feeling a bit shaking their fist at the sky and Wayne Brown was shaking his fist at the sky. And the closest we got to seeing that Labour Party machinery come out was a half-hearted Instagram post from the Prime Minister yeah. endorsing Officer well, Collins. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, there was obviously the mailing list. You know, the mailing, the, the, uh, the yeah, subscriber list is the real, the, yeah. re, the real power. And the people were thinking, well, as we're talking about before, who can bring the vote out is the key thing. And that whatever was done there didn't work <laughs> or it didn't work as they would have hoped to and depressingly shanti as well it's it's a real sad state of affairs that you look at some of the voter turnout in south auckland mm. and it's in the 20s some in the in the in the lower 20s yeah i mean surely the collins campaign would have really hoped that those were the people who they they really wanted to turn out for them and a whole lot of the structural stuff, which I know we're going to get to about local elections, maybe doesn't advantage those that kind of core voter base who might have been wanting to support um, Collins and his policies. But he also didn't have. Um, I mean, Wayne Brown didn't, you know, fixing fixing. Everyone likes the idea of fixing, um, yeah. but yeah, just that's kind of like what are the kind of flashy policies that make people think you know keep you front of mind when they're filling out their forms or opening them out and post, posted them away. Like so many, there's so many kind of things that go into that, which. Um, you kind of need to have that policy that really compels people to vote. Um, and it's, the it's, harder it is for people to vote, the the more you need the kind of big picture stuff that will compel yeah, people to yeah. vote. Yeah, and we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. I mean, just thinking as you were speaking about the idea of fixing is an interesting one, isn't it? Like it is, it is, it isn't necessarily, it doesn't mean improve, you know? Mm-hmm. If I want my oven fixed, I don't want it to be a better, newer, fancier oven with more functions. 
I want the oven that I used to have. You know, there is a a very that that, that's the that was the mood. Yeah, it was a lot of the campaign was was you know looking at public transport and stuff. It was just I want trains to run on time. I want buses to be able to get to places. I want roads that work. It wasn't like you say about making anything better, but just making things actually operate as they should. You both went, Shanti, you were there at the, the, in the Sapphire Room. Sapphire Room in Pontypridd Central. Central. Uh, I mean, a, a place you frequent often, I, I assume. I think it's a function room, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There. They hold, they hold our real estate auctions there as well. And, and then, and then Stuart, you went to the first fleeting media appearance of Wayne Brown, who had yeah. cancelled uh, broadcast interviews on the Sunday morning. He denied morning, that. And then, well, Someone on his team had <laughs> yeah. agreed to them. Who knows? That, yes. That's the you know whether or not he he was personally he you know like, I'm not me talk to the media. Well, Why would I want to do that? Like I'm the mayor now. I don't have to do this bullshit anymore. And it felt a bit like he didn't know he was going to be talking to us when he turned up to work on Monday morning because he walked into the council lobby, looked around, and sort of went, "Oh, what are you? What are you? Like, <laughs> what are you like doing here? You, How did you know I was uh, going to be here? You've woken up early. Thanks for thanks for coming out. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> Team looked sheepish. Um, what, what, what did you make of his uh, first kind of appearance? He, I mean, I was struck, Shanti, about the extent to which he, I saw suddenly he was beaming for the first I hadn't seen that before. Oh, there was a bit of that kind of cat that got the cream kind of impression, I'd say. Um, he was pretty, not actually a huge gathering. It wasn't kind of a party vibe at all, although I left sort of... Only after the first few sips of champagne. So Long before the banjo, it. the banjo was pulled out yeah, to play yeah. at the road golf. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was sort of a few different media people there, and then a couple of his sort of team and supporters were just standing around him, and he was giving a speech and just looking mm. very pleased with himself, and said, "I've got a huge margin." And I asked him if he felt like you know the low turnout gave him a mandate, and he said, "I've got a bigger mandate than any government has ever had," which is a bit of a which, difficult statement to pass. It, but yeah, it's not not really true, is it? That's, no. the, that's the issue. <laughs> that's the only issue with it. Let's talk about let's talk about um, the message nationwide. There's been, you know, there there was there's one reporter put it to Ardern that the government had got a hiding, and there was she sort of laughed, sort of in a slightly longer way than felt like it was perfectly natural. And then Heather Duplessis Allen said that Jacinda Ardern and the government had got a spanking. Which is obviously they're really leaning into this mm. corporal punishment. Into this mm. corporal punishment. I don't like the word spanking. Metaphors. No, I'm not into really. No, I'm not personally into spanking. That um, the is that true? We talked about the local races being, but it is uh, the other thing is someone I think Max Rashbrook called it a ratepayer revolt. Yeah. Is it? Is it? What did you? What do you guys think? You've been both been around the country, gone to more debates than is healthy. What are you? What is your uh, impression in terms of that overall nationwide message, Shanti? Some of those overall things, such as some of those like national policy statements that the council need to adhere to, mm. um, and especially three waters, those have been kind of routinely rejected by the vast majority of candidates. It's been especially for three waters. Some of the the urban densification thing, it's sort of here and there, but. Um, yeah, it does seem like a lot of the local councils, it's sort of like what is within their power and what isn't. Um, but that relationship of councils to government, they need the, they need the government funding. A lot of them have huge amounts of debt because of their water infrastructure, but they don't, the sort of whole framing of Three Waters has gone completely wrong. And I think that Three Waters is such a such a kind of clear example of sort of dissatisfaction with kind of government orders coming from above. Um, it's become a catch-all, hasn't it? It's become a... It's become a protest to which anything can be attached in a way. 
I just I think it is slightly disingenuous for the Prime Minister to stand up and say that there is no link between the government's performance and the local elections. And I know she rolls out the examples of Len Brown being Auckland Mayor during John Key's tenure and, and that sort of thing. But I don't remember local elections in, in, you know, in the past being as dominated by issues that are from central government to the same extent. What she said, and this is classic, reframing the question on the part of the politicians is that there's, I don't think there's a direct reflection from one to the other. And then she offered the examples of Banks being mayor when there was a Labour government and Brown the first, <laughs> Mayor Brown the yeah. first, being um, being uh, the Mayor of Auckland when, when Key was the Prime Minister. But of course they have held meetings talking about what it means, particularly in terms of three waters. Of course they see the way the wind is blowing there. And it's a, I mean, I t- in terms of the last, they do not want to go into, we've seen the um, the the emissions latest in terms of the agricultural sector this week. They will be highly aware of the risks of seeing what happened in 2017 happen on steroids in terms of the risk of it looking like an urban-rural divide. That risk of it looking like the government is just running roughshod over the wishes of councils. And the councils, when we look at, I mean, I did, I did a kind of, I stayed up far too late on Monday trying to work out what the, looking at the different mayor's positions, and it was 43 of the 66 have expressed opposition to three waters. That's, that's pretty compelling. Um, and some of the opposition differs. Some of them are like, well, we've done very well. Why should we have to pay for other people's screw up? Some of them are, very much, this is our stuff. You know, they feel as though they have been, some of them, occasionally, not as often as as, as some might think, co-governance ripples into it. But the three waters message is a real one, and I wouldn't be surprised if in select committee there is some serious change to the structural approach. And yeah. if your mayor is telling you that three waters is a terrible thing and a bad idea and they're taking our water away and we did such a good job of it or, you know, for whatever whatever your reason for opposition to Three Waters is. Um, and your mayor is saying this is a terrible thing. It's really might be hard if you're, you know, on the kind of the famous undecided voters. Like, it'd be hard to trust the government to vote them back in. Um, if you're like, well, that's coming from, my mayor says it's bad. They know my local area. Um, why would I vote in the government that is doing something that's bad to my local area? And if you've, you know, if you're especially if you're supporter of that mayor mm. and supporter of that council. I guess what they'll hope to do, um, is and we'll be talking about this in, in the in the months to come. The other the other option will be, listen, we've just got to push this through. And once it's in the rearview mirror, mm-hmm. rather than then it's you know it's it's done and it's not going to be whether or not it's top of the list for, for for being repealed if the government changes or not. Who knows? But let's the best way to make it not an election issue is not to drag it out. Will be mm. the other way. Of yeah, because we've seen the prime minister. Even though there hasn't been a softening of the policy itself, it feels like the prime minister has softened her level of defence on it to some extent. I guess even during that press conference where she laughed about the you know the the the, the national wave or whatever, hmm. uh, she was pretty happy to admit that issues like three waters were contentious and that it was going to be ongoing debate on that. But I don't remember her necessarily calling it Three Waters, talking about it. She was very much just like, these are infrastructure improvements that need to be made. No mayors were running on a policy of hiking rates. 
it, it feels like the argument has changed slightly. Yeah, maybe the problem was calling it three waters. They should have called it something much more... Big pipes or... You know, something abstruse and, and incomprehensible. Hey, um, let's talk quickly about turnout. Other people have talked about turnout. We've been sort of banging on about turnout since the start of the thing. Looking like it'll probably hit over 40% across the country. It's 42%, I think, across the country last time. Short, sharp review is the call from the LGNZ, the local government association, Shanti. But we've already had a bunch of reviews saying that turnout isn't good enough and what to do. What would you do if you could wave a magic wand and fix it? Um, your piece on Monday on the spinoff.co.nz was very good, um, looking at some of the issues. But I think one one other aspect um, that I was thinking about is just the sort of amount of like internal conflict and the amount that con- councils feel con- like councils are fighting with each other, they're bickering, mm. they're focused on themselves. Looking inwards. Yeah, and it do- that doesn't appeal to yeah. anyone. That doesn't make voters feel like they're at all connected. Um, and lots of it is just communication. Like, lots of people don't have a clear idea, including many candidates don't have a clear idea of what a council does and doesn't do. Yes. Um, so, you know, if the, if the council and the candidates aren't communicating that clearly to voters, you know, why would why would anyone want to vote? And it's if everyone just, trusts that the services are provided... It's like, just confusing. And, and I mean, there, there have been a couple of suggestions towards the end that actually maybe it suggests a level of satisfaction if people don't want to vote, which I think is a bit of a strain. And even if there is some truth in it, there's obviously a legitimacy issue if you have mm. turnout so low. But, Stuart, my view on it, which... I'm interested to hear your thoughts on is that even if there's no silver bullet, like the silver bullet is make people really engaged and have have people understanding all those sorts of things, but there are still a bunch of little things that could probably be done to nudge it up towards towards at least 50%. Well, you would never see a general election voting day on the same day as an All Blacks test, and yet the local elections polling day was on the same day as the opening of the Women's Rugby World Cup. I don't know if there's any connection between the low turnout and the vast numbers pouring into Eden Park, but... I can you know. tell I can answer that there's not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I hear what you're saying, that if there was more attention paid, and, you know, polls close at, at noon, of course, on, on, <laughs> okay. on I election day. <laughs> but um, but it, is, it is an interesting argument that if we were to have an election day, yeah. which isn't necessarily so much about the day, but about the build-up to the day, with advance voting... You know, those lovely orange signs outside libraries stickers, and post offices. Stickers, the yeah. post offices still exist. Social media you call know. outs, queues down the street. Oh, dogs. Dogs at polling booths. Dogs at polling, you know. No. Maybe there weren't enough dogs involved in the coverage of local elections. That's it. We've nailed it. Yeah. Uh, there are various other... Shanti mentioned it. There's a, I spoke to a guy called Andy Asquith who's smart on this stuff and had 10 sort of things that could be done. You can read that also on our, on our website. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very, um, very cool to work with you both on local uh, elections coverage. A lot of fun. And uh, there's still more to come. Kakitiano. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.